Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. The city of Coconut Creek brought a curious job offer to Laura McDermott Matherick. Come tell the stories of our city. They named Laura Coconut Creek's first ever poet laureate. It's a big honor. The hope is to write and perform poems for special occasions and to raise the community's awareness of writing. And that's exactly what Laura's done. People around Coconut Creek, she calls them Creekers, send her photos of their neighborhood, and she'll write haikus about them. It's typical South Florida inspiration. Storm clouds and iguanas, sunsets and orchids and dogs. They seek her out to share their stories with her. She compares that part of her job to being a bartender or a hairdresser. She loves it. It's inspired her to start a love story project based on the connections she's made. But poetry didn't always come easy to Laura. Before she was a poet, the art form fell out of reach for her. In college, she was studying business. She hit a roadblock when she was diagnosed with several learning disorders. It forced her to change her major and the trajectory of her life. That's when poetry came into Laura's life, and it never left. Let's talk to her about the ways she's bringing poetry into the lives of others. Welcome, Laura. Hi. Well, <laughs> it's, it's great to be able to talk to you about your work because, you know, I think there's there's such an embracing of poetry as a way of of bringing that kind of art form into people's lives. Uh, you know, we've had different, like the Poet, Laure- Poet Laureate of West Palm Beach in as part of the show. And I feel it also like says something about the city, right? The city that the city wants to bring this this kind of this art form, this poetry, this writing into people's lives into an intimate in an intimate way. Um, so I want to ask you about all those things. Um, sure thing. So talk to me about uh, you know what the what the place that calls itself the uh, butterfly capital of the world, right? Because uh, <laughs> it's an awesome city. Uh, so I basic demographics of the city. It's uh, you know there's about sixty thousand people that live in twelve point two square miles. Um, it was once a part of Pompano and annexed out from there, became its own uh, municipality fifty um, uh, some odd years ago. You kind of you kind of become a historian for the city in that way too. Then it sounds like I it, you know I really I guess so. Yeah, you know I um, really connecting with a lot of folks, um, original people that have uh, been a part of the. Uh, original fabric of the city. I mean, there's one woman. So I work with, uh, on the, this is my third year entering as the president of the Women's Club of Coconut Creek. Okay. So um, that experience, working with uh, the citizens in that aspect, I've met a lot of interesting uh, ladies who, um, you know, one woman that comes to mind, Elaine, her family is what original farm that was there. Uh, her family started the city of Pompano pretty oh, much. Wow. And so, I mean, this, the history that she has and, and the original house that she's living in, that was her ancestors and, and things like that. It's kind of cool. Um, that's the stories behind it. And then of course there's folks who have recently moved here in the last couple weeks and months and how they're making coconut Creek their home. So it, it's, it's, uh, such an interesting conglomeration of uh, people from all over with different types of backgrounds. Right. And it seems like you have this really strong uh, background, this historical view of it, that it kind of makes you a perfect fit to to write poetry about it. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Carolyn Forche, um, one of my favorite poets, um, mm-hmm. yeah, she, she's known as, a, as pretty much a historian. She believes that the poet's job is to be a poet of witness, mm-hmm. to document what's going on. Um, around, I mean, Campbell McGrath himself, um, a Miami poet, uh, FIU professor, FIU, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he's very big on uh, poetry of place mm. and, and identity and, and what, what is this location and place meaning something that is lo- locale but also state of mind place and that's really what I'm trying to grab and capture is what it, what what does it mean to be a coconut creaker you know, my little creakers what are you know who are we <laughs> you know we're, we're this you know little rectangular drawing on a map but what does it really mean to live in coconut creek and be a part of this community um years ago i had uh i had hosted an event um at broward college uh with the poet um brian turner Mm -hmm. and uh he he himself documents a lot of uh, his time when he was uh in afghanistan serving in the military and during that event he would like post questions between his poems and one question that he had posed and it, it i mean it's something that's so poignant to me is what are you doing that makes what are you doing for your community that makes your community proud that you are a part of it oh interesting so you really you're right you really see this as a way to to anchor yourself into that community as well correct so tell me about about that specifically so you you know it, it focuses your work right if you can if you can say all right the poetry that i'm going to tell as part of this is about this community tell me about some of the ways that you tried to dig into that and tell those those stories well it's i uh, about i would say i get at least five to ten different people mm-hmm. and some are repeat callers if you will people reach out, reaching out to me with simple questions of hey what book should i read you know i'm reading this or hey i used to write poetry as a kid you know can i share some with you would you take a look at this piece that i'm writing for my wife for her birthday oh and that's so funny how intimate right i mean i had one one gentleman uh, the craziest the craziest craziest <laughs> story um he he reached out to me because he had a document he wanted to share share with me an archival document hmm. it was the deed for a piece of land dated 1847 for Sherwood Forest in England so Sherwood Forest is where Robin Hood the story of Robin Hood was and he wanted to wanted me to have it because he's like I got this a long time ago you know and so the stories of you know asking him about tell me about your time when you lived in England I did a study abroad and lived in England as well so we had you know that kind of banter back and forth this and, is a big kind of anthropological uh, study of, of the place where you're living exactly I think it definitely through 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 the through the written and spoken word right so talk to me about some of the things that have emerged now you've been poet laureate for how long now it's been a year, been um, a year. so uh, last so last Thursday I presented at the commission meeting and at that point it was 383 uh, days that I had been serving in the position. And so, tell me some things that you wish that now having served you know in that role for for a year, some things that you've learned about Coconut Creek that you want people to know. People love this city. Hmm. People that live there really do love and appreciate their city. They care about their city. Um, you know, whether you see it through the, uh, the, I call them the unofficial Facebook post, you know, that, you know, that, that rant page, right. you know, and, and it's just, you know, even though it's like the rant page, it's still people that love their city and want the best for their city and um, are exploring ways, I guess you could say, of how to express how they want, you know, things different and better and, and thriving. They're telling it in prose and and, yes. you, and you tell it in, in poetry. Yeah. So I, I'll, you know, and, and that sort of thing. But it's, it's um, you know, the, the art of writing is a cathartic journey Mm -hmm. you know it's getting out those things and it's also working through because sometimes when you write stuff you know journaling big thing you know whenever people reach out to me about i want to how do i write poetry start with journaling and start to get those ideas down onto the page Mm. and then from there that's when you start working on craft right well talk to me talk to me a little bit about about that you know because you're talking about other people's stories and and telling the story of a place sometimes using other people's stories 
it's that's not necessarily uh, mining what's in you, but maybe even joining those two things together, right? Well, it is. It's so with any art form, it's you do try to find that commonality, right? Mm-hmm. So the the universalness of I'm going to tell my story, but when you tell your story, it's having that uh, common ground with somebody else that's why we watch movies mm-hmm. you know we right. may not we're not superheroes but there's something about that character of the superhero that makes us connect and that's why we like those movies and we like you know the supermans and the batmans and, and whatnot it's because we want that connection and so that's what you do through writing mm-hmm. through um through through poetry is you know when i collect these stories i start to create a um essential character and then this emerges out of me and my own love for my city comes out right if you can tell people stories, that's a, that's a superpower in itself. <laughs> yes. So tell me about that. I think you know there's a lot of uh, avenues. I'm sure that you you've you've been incredibly prolific uh, in this, uh, and part of that is um, is the haikus that we kind of referenced earlier. Now, are there a couple that you would like to read that, that kind of uh, sure. that I think will look, maybe encapsulate a little bit about you know the kinds of things that were that Coconut Creekers are are into or are interested in. So when I when I uh, was appointed to the position, I started with this idea of you know what's something I can contribute that is unique, mm-hmm. and so I started this a series on my um, on my poetry Facebook page, um, and I hashtag Creek C R E E K U, and then the year so 2022. And then Creek Coup 2023. It's an easy way to find it, or just go to my, you know, Laura McDermott Matherick uh, Facebook page to find it. Okay. Um, but what it is is I, I select a month and I start writing a poem a day. And at first I started with my own snapshots, but then I'm like, this is not engaging enough. Mm. So then I would do a call out, like, hey, send me stuff. Or um, I would go and around on that unofficial page or even the city page or the city's uh, police department page mm-hmm. and I would nab pictures and I would give them photo credit and, you know, and say, hey, thanks for the inspiration and stuff like that. So um, uh, I tried to pick a few haikus that are, uh, for me, the most descriptive because, of course, we're on the radio. We're on the radio. We love um, it. So I guess I'll read the piece and then I'll kind of explain what the photo looked like. So this way people can get their own image in their head before I tell them what to see. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is a recent one. So this is the last one I had written, which was August 30th. And this is a photo credit goes to uh, Laura Carol Jennings. So a love like ours comes once in a blue moon. I wish you'd come more often. And so then the photo was a very clear shot of the blue moon. That we saw so many beautiful pictures yes, of uh, from all over the world. and this one was so gorgeous. Or from all over uh, the country, uh, rather. Uh, 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 Miss Jennings had a beautiful, you know, clear shot of two, and I took both of them. Um, another one I did on um, August 14th, photo credit goes to Liliana Gallego. Um, it is, uh, sh- uh, show what you think needs hiding. I'll prove your darkest corners are gorgeous. Oh, wow. And so it, and it was of a butterfly hiding in some palm fronds. So it's, it's really all this inspiration drawn from people's, like they're finding moments of, of inspiration or mm-hmm. beauty and kind of in, in the quotidian and then you kind of extract that right. further another level right it, well, it's, well it's an acrostic poem because it's it's acrostic poetry is poetry about another art so See, it's i'm someone's... glad you explained that because i had to google that earlier <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's you know it it's you know art about another art so right. and, and that happens often it's just a big fancy greek word for that um another one i did was from uh january 8th um hot wheels line the lot boys and girls of all ages want toys of their youth and it was a picture of um, 
uh, two children, and I'll assume it was their father in, in the picture, and they were playing with little Hot Wheel cars on a table, but in the background, you could tell it was a car show that the city had hosted. Oh, that's awesome. I'm curious about how doing something like that has changed your relationship to the city, because you've lived there for a while now. I've been but- a resident since uh, March of 2010, mm-hmm. um, and I just feel more connected. I, I was I was actually speaking with um, my mayor about it a couple weeks ago, and I kind of said that you know I feel like a sense of patriotism mm. in in a sense because I feel like I'm serving my community in such a different way that I never knew was possible through my my art. You know, something something a hobby that I started in in college. Right, and it's this kind of this idea of this um, almost like micro poetry, right? Like it's you're really delving into a very particular place not just like saying oh south florida in general right, or yeah. even or even uh, north broward you know like with broward but this very particular city in in broward well I, I try to keep the again going back to the universality of it is you know even though this is specific to my town mm-hmm. you know my small town if you will this is this could be some large city this could be some rural town in the midwest right you know it, it could be anywhere and that's really um my aim as an artist is to be able to bring everybody in and have be able to relate. Right. One of my favorite poems that I have, that one of the haikus, it was actually sent to me by by the mayor, and it was written on um, uh, January twelfth. And um, I'll read it, and then I'll explain why it's one of my favorite ones. Okay. So, congratulations, winners, losers, no matter. Still, my kid beat yours. So um, okay, I need to know everything about <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> um, so what it was is, I mean, I, I put the call out and in pops in this this photo, and it's um, picture a soccer field mm-hmm. and little kids, maybe six, seven, eight years old, mm-hmm. doing the hand slap at the end of a game. Oh, nice! And um, the two coaches at the end, also, you know, going through it, and they're doing the hand slap at the end. And I was kind of looking at this picture, and I'm like, you know, you know, how can I? play with this idea and so zooming in you know you see that it, at one end it's it's the mayor of the city at the other end you see it's one of the parks and recs um uh he himself is it they're, they're both coaching their children's team oh that's so funny the mayor and the parks and one of yes. the parks and rec so, people is coaching their it, respective teams and i happened at, at one event i think it was like you know several months earlier uh they were talking about the idea of you know my kid you know i'm gonna beat you uh, you know that that, <laughs> that sort of you know uh fun poking at each other if you will and so like uh, that was kind of my mind so that's what prompted me to write it but what really made me love this piece mm-hmm. is I when I post it on my Facebook page, I also share it on the unofficial pages or whatever. So it's in, engaging again with the community, and it started an interesting conversation on the interpretation of what does it mean. And some people were like, like you know, like oh, camaraderie is dead, you know, and all that type of thing. And like then other people were getting nasty, if you will, with no, Wait, it means on this. Facebook. Yeah, really? really. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> I can't believe it. So it started this interesting banter, and so um, and normally I don't comment on anything like that, but I did step in to say that any interpretation is right. Hmm. That's what's so important about um, yes, yes, it's about you know, you know, someone could be a jerk, but it's also about you know. I'm poking fun at you, but then it's also, it really doesn't matter who wins and loses. So it depends your lens and what you as a reader are bringing to the piece. Right. And, and, and kind of and examine, your own interpretation. Kind of also examine what, what it says about you, if you, how, how you interpret that piece. Right. And, and, yeah. and it, each day you could look at something different. And that, that's the whole thing is 
every time you read something, you should get, you know, you shouldn't read a poem just once. You should read it several times and come back to it because there's, you're going to pick up something out of it each time. Our guest today is Laura McDermott Mathrick. She's the City of Coconut Creek's first poet laureate. She's also a tenured professor of English at Broward College, and she's got her hair dyed pink today because she's like she was talking about soccer earlier. You were you were in support of your your kid's team as well. Yes, I, I actually it was uh, um, volleyball this summer. My my children my my daughter was playing on uh, the city rec league. They needed a coach. I was a mm-hmm. coach, and we were the Red Panthers. And so I Perfect. went went to I dyed my hair pink. Yeah, my and... my three kids all played volleyball at some point in their life, so I can I can definitely. I know what those long those long days at the convention centers are like and what have you. Mm-hmm. And so like that's like another way of really beca- like there's nothing that says I'm involved in my community as much as both po- writing poetry in it and uh, coaching your uh, youth league team, right? Yes. Um, I, you know, poetry, it's, it's interesting because you said that um, – that it was it kind of came into your life in an unexpected way. Correct. Um, talk to me about that because you weren't originally you didn't set out at you know five years old to write and be no. a poet for a living, right? No. Um, my background is I wanted to be an events planner. That's what I wanted to do. I do corporate event planning. Okay. And um, way back in the day when I was at Florida State University, go Seminoles. Um, Ooh. Oh, only Gators here. Oh, Sorry. Great Gators. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I thought I'd at least get uh, hurricanes here. No, no, we're everywhere now. <laughs> Um, so up at Florida State University, I was, you know, wanting to be an events planner. Hmm. And um, I was set out to do uh, public relations. I was told, oh, only 40 get in to the program a year. Hmm. And I had a very high GPA, but not high enough. God, that's like that's you like know? medical school yes. almost. <laughs> yes. So um, my GPA wasn't high enough, they said. So um went over to the School of Business. And um, I found this major, an interesting major, because it kind of made me nervous. I, 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 had, I knew I had math phobia. I'll put it that way, hmm. you know, anxieties, all that stuff. Right. And um, so, all right, we're trucking through. We're going to do this major. It was called English with an emphasis in business. So it was the full credits of 33 credits in English and 30 credits of business. So it was all the prerequisites, if you will, for the business school. Um, and so that's what I was trucking out. And then um, I, I was taking a financial accounting and I was hitting a roadblock and hmm. I didn't pass. Right. I took it again, and I was heading to not pass again, and I was sitting in my 9 o'clock hour three days a week, followed by the 10 o'clock hour. I'd just sit in it and do the complete full lesson again. I was going to office hours. It was just, I just couldn't get it. Right. And this professor, a wonderful professor, Dr. Kuhn, said to me, I think you got some sort of disability thing going here because this doesn't make any sense. Right. So I went through the steps of getting um, tested, mm-hmm. and um, sure enough, it I had... Every, basically, essentially, reading comprehension and math, and those are my like, that's, that's business. Your bread and butter. And, but yeah, yeah, business and business and, and English. By English, what you were taking, yeah. So, um, how to do a you know, I wasn't going to just walk away from my business major. So I'm like, I'm I'm going to get the minor at least, and then I'm going to. I decided I was going to focus more on my um, English English credentialing, and it, and at the same time, picking up a minor in communications and education. And so, at, how was how was poetry? Was it was it a, a part of your life at that point, or well, what happened was is uh, I was forced into forced. You know, I always have those uh, you know uh, degree audits that we mm-hmm. have to do. Right. Um, I had to take a writing course, and then um, poetry was on the list, and we had to actually meet with and show our work to get accepted into the higher level um, poetry, fiction, or nonfiction courses. So mm. I met with um, poet David Kirby. He's actually coming to Miami Thursday. I'm going to do a quick plug. FIU is hosting him at the North Campus. Right on. Okay. Um, so um, 
I had a class with him and I said to him, I said, you know, I really don't know this poetry thing. You know, all the poets I've read are, you know, they're not like me. They're not like my friends. They're just, you know, old dead white guys. I was going to say old dead white guys. Old dead white guys. Mm -hmm. And so he introduced himself as a living old dead white guy. (laughs) And so we we started this banter, this friendship. And in six weeks, um, I, I fell in love with the art because it became a puzzle game to me. And that's interesting because it, it, this is not something you'd ever toyed with in your growing up. What was what was your exposure to, to even to writing to the to like the not arts? much. I mean, I, um, you know, I'm a daughter of a of a school teacher. My mother was a special ed teacher, and my uh, father was a uh, firefighter and a mechanic. And I grew up more. I grew up in a machine shop. You know, my like my whole first book is about a lot of the poems have a lot of car motifs because that's what it is. I yesterday I just bought myself my car that I rebuilt with with my dad. I just bought. Oh, get out of here! I found I, not the same one, but I found a version of the a, one that you the that exact same one. So what kind of car? So you and your dad worked on a car, yes. rebuilding a car together. Yep. What a, was it? A 1995 uh, 5.0 yellow convertible Mustang. Oh my! My parents' first like wow car in this country, you know, because you know they were they were immigrants from Cuba was a was a 1989 5.0 convertible yep. Mustang in yep. white. Yep. My mom and I like we we've been going back and forth like we should have a hot rod because my father's not well now. My father has Lewy Body's dementia, so you know we always have you know oh dad would like this, dad would like that. So we just find like hey mom look what I found, and so we're like you want to do it? I don't know you want to do it. So we went in on it together, and so now we have a hot rod that's in the garage, and we're like what do we do with it now? Oh my god! But so, but that's a car that you and your dad worked on yep. together because yep. so your dad was most he was a firefighter and a mechanic. Yes, when my father, he wasn't uh, forty eight hours in the uh, no. At the firehouse, right? I did 48 on, uh, 24 on, 48 off. I got you. So he was actually- I should know that. One of our producers. He, he, was, is, uh, he uh, was- Her husband's a firefighter. Yep. He, he was one of the original that, uh, he started off in 1976 with, with I'm sorry, uh, Pompano Highlands Fire Rescue. Uh, volunteer. It was a volunteer rescue, which eventually turned into Broward County Fire Rescue, which then turned into uh, what we know of as uh, uh, the Broward Sheriff's Office mm, okay. uh, Fire Rescue Department. And so, tell me, like those, you you clearly have great memories of that. Of of I mean, and so much isn't poetry like that too. Also, like digging into memories and then putting pieces together, right? Yes. Until the whole thing works. Yes. Um, I I'm curious when you know when your mom clearly has an education background, and how did your how did your parents like perceive this like once you're in college you're like I've really discovered this expression this expression art form um, and I feel like I can do something with this my parents were always really supportive of me being me and Mm -hmm. but it it was a really kind of a fearful thing so after I had that course with David Kirby Mm -hmm. I was just about done with my degree and I said to him you know what what do I do next and he says you go to grad school go get your MFA and so okay where do I go Mm -hmm. you know and um and how to apply and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to tell my parents, like, I'm majoring in poetry. And they're like, like, what? <laughs> like, you're majoring in poetry. And so I think my father said something along the lines, is, is that like basket weaving? Like, you know, like, what <laughs> do you do with that? Basket weaving. Underwater basket weaving. So yep. then I'd have to be a UM. Wasn't that, wasn't that what the joke was? <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna create listen, enemies if I say that. Don't yes. send us your emails, UM. Yes, we, yes. we love you too. That's yes. Fine. Oh, I definitely love UM. <laughs> so um, you you got your MFA in this, and how did that how did that open things up for you? Like this, so, um, so especially it, for someone who you discovered you have these learning disabilities, and it's it's creating a, lo- a roadblock in like what's next for your life and your career. How did that open things up for you? So, uh, event planning. I'm learning about this this hobby. So as soon as I you know I started my my trek at FIU. Mm. It, oh, you, you know, it, stereotypical artists, you know, the, the idea that artists are not business folks, but 
I don't think that's true because no, I mean I'm no. one of them. I'm Richard, one of Richard, them. Richard, the great Richard Blanco, yes, is, uh, exactly. is an engineer. Oh, I love I love Richard. I was just in an email with with him the other day or just this morning. Um, anyways, uh, I, this falsehood that you know that uh, the business minded, but that's what I, I stepped forward did. So I started uh, working with the writers on the Bay and helping mm-hmm. organize that. I used to run a, a reading series out of the Luna star cafe on 125th street. Okay. So I did that. And then, um, because, because of that, you know, I worked with, I volunteered with the Miami book fair. I worked for 10 years with the, um, uh, Palm beach poetry festival. So I was behind the scenes promoting others. So my art was not taking the front stage and, and I was okay with that because it was still new to me. And I was still, working with you know poet laureates and guggenheim winners and and things like that and the folks that really you know cherished in our nation when it comes to poetry and internationally so i was always the one that the event planner i'm behind the scenes so that's well, it's really interesting what, how that how that kind of still manifests itself like that you you like to kind of bring folks together for a big party yes like, and isn't that kind of what you're doing now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> a big party planner in uh, Coconut Creek, right? You planning the big uh, the big poetry? Has it have has being in that role kind of made you realize that like Coconut Creek has a hunger for like the people that are there, like, you know, have a hunger for this for their specific points of views to being told and and opportunities to tell their own stories. Uh, exactly, but I think it's in any community. You know, just people want to be heard. People want to have a voice, and um, even those that are too. Sh- shy to have a microphone Mm. you know and there's others that want to have the megaphone but you know how do you give everyone equal opportunity and equal voice well put put pen to paper nice have you thought about other ways like being in this role you know certainly you go in with one maybe one kind of general idea of where you're going talk to me about how it's kind of being in it has changed where you thought you would end up at at the end of the year uh, oh so so okay yeah so when i first met with the um with a uh, Yvonne Lopez is really who I work with with the city with um, where you're that and John Hartzell they're awesome such awesome artists themselves um, to work with and you know we kind of mapped out like okay we're gonna you know right for these special occasions so Veterans Day Memorial Day um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas do something for Juneteenth um, Jazz Under the Stars like that sort of stuff so I kind of had like that little scope and then I stepped forward with here's my vision of it because it's hard it's yeah. hard to say like you need to write you need to write a poem on this bottle on this, of water yeah. and make mm-hmm. it make it good and that's hard you know that's a very difficult challenge um but i'm up for any challenge right. but it's also you know how to find the central themes and what i find what i find for me as a writer is that if i take the central theme of of wanting to tell a love story mm. and and the love story that that I myself have for the city as well as my fellow citizens have for it that if you just take the character you know make a central speaker and it could be you me it could be anyone as a speaker but then you create the central you and you could be you know your friend your could be you could be the dog you could be the city right you're you're centering the you in the city and like the different men, the many different yous in the city yes and and so it, it could be like your reading of it could be again what the reader brings to the piece mm-hmm. it, it's the backstory so you could read it and be like that's a love that's a love poem and be like oh yeah who you love you know and, oh, and we could get into that discussion or it could be like you know that that's a hate poem and like okay i don't see that but you you're you're valid it's a valid interpretation right. it's what your background is that you're bringing to it so talk to me about that project that this kind of this love story poetry pod project Are there so some- it just kind of came out of it you know i get mm-hmm. i uh uh there's one there's one resident that i do speak to quite often that kind of 
leaves me with fodder. Mm-hmm. Like have a little bit of a discussion about something and then off the conversation goes and then I I sit and percolate on it for a while and mm-hmm. then out comes a poem or two. And how do I, you know, again, thinking, you know, publishing and books and all that stuff, how do I make them work together? And so it's creating that central speaker with a universal theme about, and I kind of connect the dots right. with that. Have, have there been some poems that you've written that have arisen from these uh, from these interactions? That so you there's, could, well, there's, there's probably, probably one of my most recent ones. I was having a discussion and we were talking about the idea of the life is circular. Hmm. Everything goes around. You were just kind of talking about circular as well yeah. uh, before the break. And I, 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 I cut them off and I said, no, it's not circular. It's, it's, an, it's an Amobius strip. A so, Mobius strip is uh, a figure eight. Yeah, it's almost like a, it's a little bit like a like an well, you, what you have in front of us today is is kind of like an Escher drawing. Yes, where, so it, where it's a piece a, of paper folds back on itself. Right. So this is actually a form, and um, Denise Duhamel, poet out of um, Hollywood, she teaches at FIU as well. One of my mentors, um, her book Two by Two has a, an A A Mobius strip because if I always squish those words together, <laughs> and basically the poem's written on the page. For the page but if you cut it out front and back mm-hmm. and take a twist and bring it back together again and so you make this figure eight you can then start and stop the poem anywhere in the sequence and you and you basically use that that kind of idea of this uh, poem twisting back on itself right and then using the inspiration from these these love stories that you were hearing correct so the poem is actually like that has a lot of things going on. So it's it's a it's it's a monostitch, which is a one sentence poem. Okay. Okay. So it's a visual poem because it's tangible. It's in my hands. It's right. Here it, We're here in, in crinkling. Here in crinkling the thing. It's an ars poetica because it means that it's about the art of writing, and it's also a love poem. Right. So it's many things twisted all together. It's, it's many things twisted all together. And you'll read a piece of it for us now. Sure. Wonderful. You're just twisting it. Well, you, do you have it printed out as well? I do. Well? If you want to follow along, I have it printed along. You could. Perfect. You could follow along I there. I can jump in here for sure. So um, uh, the title is Mobius Poets. And I, I have an epitaph, ep, epitaph, epigram that goes with it that's, um, I think, in spirals. Therefore, I am infinite which is a line from um maureen seaton who is a miami poet who just passed away Mm. so that kind of spoke to me in this piece so while you say relationships like life are circular always finding their way to the same point like how we keep meeting like this i tell you i don't want to make us into a daytona 500 high speeds and all left turns the smell of nitro that burns out our header pipes over 300 miles per hour with only one direction to go. Because I see us more like a Mobius strip where our path spins and turns, two faces conjoined, becoming one-sided, one-faced, an infinite loop, a, cylind- a twisted cylinder, a paradox of, of a plane without end or length, a three-dimensional space demonstrating a 2D effect that instead of circling a track, we can take the scenic route leaning into every switchback and hairpin on this figure eight course, letting us be hard pressed to set the cruise control below the limit so we can just enjoy the ride, forever obsessed with the smell of summer rains beating off the asphalt where the wild speaks to us in poems and we'll dial up the radio to songs that bold voices to match our roaring hearts, laughing like everything inside us is still a secret 
we get to choose whether or not to tell, because I'm tired of revealing ourselves to one another with quiet restraints. So let's drive to that place of uninterrupted space where we finally breathe each other in, exhaling our inhibitions, giving up control of the wheel, letting this vehicle take us to destinations we're fated to arrive in the back seat. Seatbelts unfastened, bodies entwined in our Mobius way, humming tunes only we were meant to sing, where we stumble into discoveries knowing we can start and stop at any point without a clear beginning or a definitive end because the best relationships can pick right up where they left off, continuing our story while a new tandem narrative runs parallel like our book that keeps filling with chapters while, the, while at times we're a footnote in the back of a textbook as a 12-point serif font, yet other times we're a 17-syllable haiku that would make Basho blush, yet May we never write our guide to ourselves, not even a travel log, so we're always on this journey mapless, never taking our foot off the gas, but we can sometimes pause the rush, and maybe we'll become the poem while being the poets who can write who can rewrite this circular pattern into a three-dimensional Mobius cylinder that acts two-dimensional, but is really three-dimensional, but is really 3D, almost the circle, but for one crucial twist. And while you say relationships, like life, are circle, always finding their way to the same point, like how we keep meeting like this. Beautiful. That was Laura McDermott Matherick reading from a poem. Mobius Poets. Mobius Poets. Um, and I heard that there's so many great moments in there, and there's so many, like, Automobile references, which which we talked about, that that's such a such a part of your own background. It drives well. my work, yes. It drives your work. Put up, up. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is Laura McDermott Mathrick. She's the city of Coconut Creek's first poet laureate. Laura, we're uh, I love to get into the details of you know kind of digging into your community and telling these stories, writing this poetry based on these these in, this inspiration, right? This inspiration from the people that are the people that you live with, you know, the people in your city. Um, that kind of started, uh, you know, your, your first book was, um, was kind of based in that way, right? Where it's, it's, it's poetry paced, paired with art, right, with visual art. Um, talk to me about, what's the book's title? And talk to me about that a little bit. So, the title is Visions on Alligator Alley, hmm. an Ephrastic Story in Verse. Okay, what's Ephrastic? Uh, we, we all know what that means now. Okay. It's, it's po- poetry based on other art form. And an then story in verse is... A series of poems that tell a story. How did that come about? This idea of like, of telling, um, of writing poetry, kind of based on this other artwork that you had that you had seen. What, what's the artwork that's in it? So, um, in 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. I was invited to be a writer in residence at Girls Club Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And the gallery, uh, it prides itself on the fact that it um, showcases female artists' work, and so they put up an exhibit for a year and they have a writer come in and write a few pieces about it and host a workshop, um, meet with some kids and do some work with them and have a reading. So um, nothing extraneous, but of like anything that I do, it's like, well, what can we do? How can I make this, you know, push the limits, do some more. Right. So how, it, can, how can we twist this and fold yes. it back on itself? Yeah, and- <laughs> exactly. You, you, you got my personality totally. Um, so I started writing a piece or two and then it started flowing and it was you ekphrastic i'm looking at this artwork i'm writing a piece right it's it's in a lot of ways what what you did with coconut creek in the sense that people send you photos Correct. and you're inspired by this um by this particular way that people right. are seeing the world so the, my, my typical uh, trope 
you know, the muse, you mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. What what kind of inspires? So um, I started writing a series of poems, and I'm like, man, I, what if would it be cool if I, I could actually publish a book of this? Mm. So I reached out to um, a, a local author who actually, at the time, she had her own um, publishing company, um, Lomini Books, um, and Jay Fivier, um I reached out to her and I'm like, hey, what do you think of this idea? And I pitched the idea to her, and she's like, this is fabulous. Let's let's run with this. So um, uh, by the time the residency ended, we had a full length published book, as you see in front of you. And so, um, and that's where it, I mean, it, it was. You know, I had a homework assignment, and that's what I did: is write on every piece and then tell the story, because that was also a harder piece. Is it's not just writing about the poem that or the art that's on the wall or as a um, figurine or a, a, a statue or something that I was writing about. It was also then putting these pieces together and telling a story. And again, that's where I came in with having a central speaker, a narrator, telling a story. And okay, what what are the pieces that can tie in? And so I used the card motifs through this to drive the story. And so it's a story of the central character being a daughter of a mechanic and trying to, you know, coming of age story um, and falling in love and missed love and, you know, the rebound and that sort of thing. It's funny because it, it I very much get the same sense of what your Facebook page is where people, you post a poem and people read it and they'll take, they'll take their own inspiration from it. And you're kind of doing the similar thing where you're taking art and you're, interpreting it in a way that you may not know the inner workings of what the artist was thinking when they created that piece, but you're kind of inspired by it. Mm-hmm. Art inspires art. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, I mean, that we've talked so much about it. I'm curious whether there's a poem in your, in that book that you'll read for us. Sure thing. I'll read the, the lead poem, uh, uh, Visions on Alligator Alley, which is uh, what the book is called. So um, uh, the art piece that this matches to is called Bog, which is a Scott Daniel Ellison piece, and it was an acrylic on board of, I, I, I don't know, it looks like where the wild things are, image in the back. It, it's, it's hard to explain, but I'll just read the piece. I think where the wild things are is a perfect way to kind of frame it in our minds. Yeah. Visions on Alligator Alley. At this late hour on this August night, I'm filled with words that are chases or red, like a roadside flare. Instead, they're eternal, like time, like matter, as if a second person inside me is now taking a specific word completely out of the manifold and substituting it with these intense darkness scored by red, vivid red lines. I see father alone at times, body leaned over car with grim determination, touching hand to the hot big block, like a sheet to a flame at the bottom of a pile as the fire roars upward. He smooths his mustache with the back of his hands as decades of careful work turns black in the cuticles, mud and grease all around, knuckles full of scars. His half-witted efforts gin up something good, something semi-permanent, like a car crash I can't turn from, or a vivid memory at the machine shop interrupted by moments of weeping that I too have left behind so long ago in a shimmering cloud from the exhaust pipe. My words are not sad, but bitter, for all sweetness was cast out the window on this desolate drive with a love for a father. They flutter in the final breath and then fall from the sky as an acidic rain. The shadows on the asphalt through these everglades imply my origin, re- rep- imply my origin, revealing my lane is really one way. For so long I've sat idling halfway between the drainage ditch and the stars. From my driver's seat, 
I focus on the grasses. I focus on the reptiles. I focus on my father, a mirage in the passenger seat. The sun is perched in the horizon in my side view, bursting with the phosphorescence of Independence Day. No other will tailgate in my shadows. No one else will sleep in my dreams. This is the emancipating power of nonsense. That was Laura McDermott Matherick reading from her book, Visions on Alligator Alley, and it's the uh, same title, the, the eponymous title uh, of the book. Yet We've talked some about your dad here. Um, clearly, that's something that's that you've been dealing with a lot in your poetry. I mean, I think a lot of us can deal with can uh, relate to um, not, you know having a parent slip from us in that in that um, in that he has uh, he has a form of dementia mm-hmm. and, but you you clearly you have such strong memories of still dealing with a lot of these these issues in your poetry uh, yeah I mean it's it's you know having to wrap your mind around it you know someone once said to me you know um, you know it must be hard you know having all these memories while he has none of his own. Mm. And it it is, you know, it, it it is difficult. And some some of them, you know, my I mean, I'll be very candid. My father was an alcoholic, and it was a little rough, you know, growing up, and um, in that sense. But as an adult and understanding the disease of alcoholism, mm. you know, I, I I understand and I forgive, and um, I hold on to the good memories because otherwise, you know. These poems would be a lot different. Otherwise, yeah, they'd be a lot darker. Yeah, they'd be a lot darker. You know, and 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 that's okay. You know, and and I have those poems. They're 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 there, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's also about you know understanding you know that this is who I am, you know, and, and coming to to terms with that. So you know, I mean, my father, you know, really weird things that my father would do when I was growing up is, you know, uh, in order to get my driver's license, I had to do certain things. So um, I had to memorize every exit off of I-95 from West Palm to where it ends in Miami. Okay. And that's, I, that's an assignment? That was an assignment. I know every single one. And, and even when the new ones pop up, it's like, ah, oh, you know, now there's a B, there's a C, what's that? <laughs> but then I also had to know all the major roads from um, the ocean to the Everglades. So my father never wanted me to get lost. Mm. I could change a flat in three minutes. Wow. You know, I had to, I had to be able to change my own oil. And I had to do that in my old Mustang and my old Honda CRX that I had previous to that. Um, you know, is that sort of thing. The first, uh, I was actually just talking about this the other day. The first fire, the first car I drove that was a stick shift was a 1942 Mac fire engine. My father was fixing it for um, the fire department. Um, it was like one of their show pieces. And so my father brought it home and said, take it for a spin. I have driven a lot of weird interesting things but that was a part of growing up uh, i had to learn how to parallel park in my father's one-ton van and yes he did the old um brady bunch thing where you put the cones on either end and put an egg mm-hmm. oh I, nice i had to do it well i had i was teaching my daughter to park yesterday before she got her, <laughs> her driver's test and she passed uh, and we Excellent. did the cones we did the cones as well no eggs but cones mm-hmm. but i remember i set the rocker arms in my when my we did when we did the rebuild on my first mustang now i have a second one so now i have to clarify now great um, car great car uh uh uh, you guys have great car taste in yes. your family. Oh, yeah. That, you know, it, it was either it could that be CRX, that. That CRX was not lost on me there. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> had that. You know, I, I had a, it was, you know, I had uh, I had a, 20, a 22-inch speaker on the back of that. So it was a different vibe. Oh, that was that definitely. One. Okay, that's your South Florida connection yeah, that's right my, there. Yes, that was my South Florida connection. <laughs> what music were you playing out of that? Uh, the one that, that, you know what, the, the album that hit best on that was Prodigy. Um um, Firestarter, but the other song, I don't think I'm allowed to say that, you know, smack my people yeah. up. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, that one, I, like, the, the way that would, the, boom, you know, it yep. hit, hit so hard on Nothing that Nothing like that, that cranking that bass yep. in, in South Florida, man. Yep. But I mean, so much of, of poetry is 
is kind of what we're talking about, right? Is is talking through is talking through uh, things that we have not enunciated, right? We've not said out loud. And for you, part of that is is dealing with um, personal personal connections to your family, to your mm-hmm. father. And I guess that's that's kind of something that you encourage in, in the people that you're kind of representing exactly. as the poet laureate, right? Yeah, I, 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 you know, going back to your statement of, the, you know, being like a bartender or a hairdresser, you mm-hmm. know, this unofficial therapist in town, yep. um, totally unqualified. Um, <laughs> you know, and I pretty much, you know, the conversations that, that come out of it, you know, I have one gentleman that, that calls me, he had, you know, he, he himself, you know, uh, a, a veteran suffers from PTSD and I've talked him off those weird you know i'm gonna shoot off an email i'm gonna this and that and like let's talk it through just really selling you know and, and so I've, I've been a part of that and suggested like hey you should read this or do that you know I, i've i've been in those conversations with with folks i mean there's another one that you know opened up to me about his own drinking problems hmm. and I, i've talked through that um you know. you, even when you do something like that does it do you find that you yourself are also are also um healed is too much but are working through something else yeah you know, there, there is that, you know, that, that sense of opening yourself up and that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, hey, look at this piece of art I made. Want to read my poem? And it's like, you know, wow, that's dark, you know, or, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, you're letting yourself be open. But it's that connection. You find that connection and you find your own sense of healing because we're all, you know, we're, we're all moving forward from someplace. Right. And we're all taking steps one foot in front of the other to whatever's better. We don't know what the better is, but we're all striving for that. Right. How do you keep that from getting too heavy for you? Like you're dealing with a lot of people coming to you with a lot of things and it's not all butterfly world. <laughs> it's not all butterfly. It's good. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I write, hmm. you know, again, I write and I write their stories, but their stories are a lot of my stories. Yeah. Do you find that um, having done this for a year, it, do you think about what you want to do next? In other words, what, what this product, these these conversations, even these one-on-one conversations that you've had people from people in your community, what it inspires you to to maybe think about next? So, so my first year, you know, I've I've written. Um, I actually calculated all this because the commission had asked me to report out. So, um, oh it, wow, that's such a. I know <laughs> that goes back to the fusing, business. Yeah. fusing the and business. It's so funny. It, 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 you know, at the commission meeting, you know, I, I handed. I, I, here's the document I handed them, and I think the the mayor referred to it as as a resume. And I said, well, I actually have a CV, which is 15 pages long. But no, this is just a list of what I did. But, mm. you know, I, I wrote 185 poems in wow. a year. Wow. Um, 153 of those were haikus. And then um, I also did uh, 14 events for the city as well as I had five publications, aside from the haikus that I self-published and then doing little articles. And I, you know, working for the Women's Club, mm. I do a monthly newsletter article based on what we're doing there. And it's trying to inspire them to like, hey, give back to the city and, and such like that. So the projects, you know, for the next year that I'm proposing is um, trying to encourage the community to write more. So it's not just, you know, some poet laureates and that's fine if it's their style, but which is not my style, which is, you know, some would just rather like pontificate, like oh, here's my thing and I'm going to showcase what I do. And really it's, I'm trying to inspire to get others to step forward. And, you know, I want to promote literacy within the community. Right. You know? Well, that goes back to your event planning where you want to get, you want to get everybody out on the dance floor. Uh, Laura, thank you so much for coming in and spending the hour with us. It's been a, a fun and revealing hour. Right. Thank you so much. Our guest today was Laura McDermott-Mathrick. She's the City of Coconut Creek's first Poet Laureate. If you missed any part of our conversation, all Sundial episodes are available on our daily podcast. 
And that's Sundown for Tuesday, September 26th. Leslie Obaye Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our Director of Live Programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio, and Richard Ives is our engineer. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the artist Jason Safe. He has a solo exhibit at the Perez Art Museum through next year. His work references Islamic art as a nod to his Syrian ancestry. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. Public Media.